Unison reading today is from 1 John 2:28 to 3:3. Our reading is from the ESV. Hear the word of the Lord, 1 John 2:28. And now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. Amen. Our theme today on this text is simply this from verse 28, abide in him, abide in him. The apostle John in writing to the saints and writing to us by extension is encouraging them to persevere in the faith And when we look back at the passages preceding our verses here, we're reminded of something we confess in our Confession of Faith, chapter 17, paragraph 1, on the perseverance of the saints, that we, through many storms, persevere to glory. Though many storms and floods arise and beat against them, Yet they shall never be able to take them off that foundation and rock which by faith they're fastened upon. The Apostle John has shown them some of these raging storms and waves that will beat against all Christians on our voyage to glory. We can see in verses 1 to 2 there's the the storm or, or the opposition of their own indwelling sin that he exhorts them about. We must fight this all the way to glory. It will seek to stop us from repenting and believing. He reminds them that there are seducers, apostates, ones who once went with us. They were once part of the professing Christian community, but now they've gone out from us. And he says they're even antichrists, seducing false teachers. This is a threat to Christians that he warns them about. He warns them about the love of the world that they must fight against in their own hearts and that we all must fight against, uh, must fight against as Christians in verse, verses 15 to 17. And this is the context for our verse when he tells us in verse 24 leading up to this that we are to let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Remember at the beginning of this letter he says that Their ears, speaking of he and the other apostles, their ears heard the word of life. They handled him and touched him. They knew Christ in the flesh. And it's this message of Christ that they proclaim to us and that John is proclaiming and he tells us to to continue to receive and to hear and allow that message to abide in us. And in doing that, we abide in him. Verse 28. This is our context. So we can think about it like this way for an analogy as we meditate on this text. As he tells them to abide in Christ and he holds before them the hope of his coming, the hope of their 
blessed vision, the beatific vision in glory. And he uses this to motivate them in the present. And he says that when they abide in him, one purpose for this is so that we may have confidence at his coming. Think about a son in a family. His father's gone on a business trip. And the father's told the son, the father's told his child, hear your chores, do your chores while I'm gone, and help your mother around the house. If we really wanted to emphasize every aspect of that allegory, the mother would be the church. But the picture is this son is seeking at his father's command to be faithful in the household and to do what his father's commissioned to do. His father has gone on the journey and will be returning. Christ gave parables like this about the Lord of the country going into a far land and then returning, or the Lord over the servants. So imagine this boy is starting in his chores daily. He's doing his chores that his father left for him. The neighborhood children come by and invite him to come play. And he thinks about it. He wants to go play. There's a tendency, but he says, no, I, he remembers. My, my father's going to be returning. I've got to do what he left for me to do. Imagine different distractions and other things arise. Imagine if even in his own mind he wonders and doubts, will my father even return? Is this all in vain? Keep this in mind as we work through this passage and as we seek to bring out three basic thoughts here. Our thought is this, abide in him. And simply, the Apostle is teaching here, abide in Him in faith, in hope, and in love. So in perilous times, John is stirring us up to keep looking to Christ and abiding in Him in light of the second coming. And we are to do this. We are to abide in Christ in faith. He tells us in verse 28, and now, little children, abide in him, and when he appears, uh, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. He is holding before them this article of the faith of the coming of Christ. This is a forward-looking faith, whom having not seen, you love, Peter says to the saints. This is something, this is an article of faith that every Christian in all of church history has believed and affirmed what we confess in the Nicene Creed every Lord's Day, this is every Christian that affirms this. Our, our dear brothers who are dispensational or premillennial or postmillennial or we who are amillennial, whatever their particular views, whether right or wrong about the return of Christ, all Christians affirm that He shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. This is what John is holding before us as a motivation to live and abide in Christ now. It's a forward-looking faith. As this boy doing his chores in the house, as he struggles, uh, and he would rather do other things, he, he remembers and he believes his, his dad's word that he will return, and it motivates him to do and to live in the way that his father has left for him to live. This forward-looking faith lays hold of Christ and His coming as a sure coming. As we've been hearing in Second Peter, 
the scoffers mock and ask where is his coming and God's people can struggle with doubt and wonder will he return from a, for us but we're reminded of this sure coming he will return it's a glorious coming as he comes in the glory of his father and we behold the glory of God in Christ as glorified saints what a hope this is but it's also a backward looking faith We're to look back at what God already has done for us in Christ. Not only the future full fulfillment, but also what God's already done for us. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us in 3.1, that we should be called the children of God. We're to look back and remember the love of God for us. This love of God from eternity. It's an amazing love. As he says, behold, he's saying, oh, what manner of love. Stop and think upon this. Be amazed, be astounded with the love of God for you. This perfect love, John tells us elsewhere, this perfect love casts out fear. Think about the boy in the household and doing his chores. If if he has a slavish fear of his father... He's going to have the mentality, well, I can't please him anyway. I'm I'm not going to be able to do this perfectly, so why even try? And he gives up and he stops. Uh, You're condemned if you do, condemned if you don't. I'll just leave it aside. This is the picture of what our relationship is to God before we're in Christ, while we're under the condemnation of the law. And this fear produces disobedience. This is why it's totally bogus. People that tell you, well, I don't believe in... um, what they'll say is it's eternal security. What we, what we call it is perseverance of the saints. They say, I don't believe in that. It would be dangerous for me to believe that because then I would just go live in sin. I need to be scared of, of going to hell. I need to be scared of losing my salvation to motivate me to live holy. Well, Scripture teaches the opposite, that this perfect love is what casts out fear. You can see this in the parable of the talents with our Lord Jesus when he tells about the servants that receive that money from their master and some of the servants invest the money and, and they, they're faithful with it, with using it for his glory. But the one servant, remember, he says, I was afraid of you, master, because you're a, you're a stern man, you're a harsh master, and I just buried my money in the ground and remember that that servant fell under judgment. This is a picture of what we're seeing here about this love of God, that God has loved us before the foundation of the world. He has predestinated us to be adopted as sons in Christ. And now out of the overflow of this love of God, He calls us to live in obedience to Him. Think about that boy doing his chores in the house, and he says, you know, I'm I'm not going to do this perfectly, but I know my Father loves me. And I know that he will accept even these imperfect works. And this is what God does for us in Christ as he receives us in his own beloved son. It's an amazing love. It's an adopting love, he tells us in verse 1, that we should be called the children of God. This privilege of adoption is the greatest privilege of the saints even greater than justification. In justification, we go from being a condemned sinner to being pronounced righteous in Christ. We go from a criminal status to a righteous status. And we are made, or we're declared to be righteous. And then in sanctification, we are made saints. We're made holy, separated unto God. 
and this is glorious, and this is great. But this would be like if you were a guilty criminal in court, and the judge wraps his gavel, pronounces you righteous, now your criminal status is gone, you're accredited with the perfect righteousness of his own son, but you're still not his son, you're just a criminal who's been declared righteous. But in adoption, the judge adopts you as his own son. With all the rights and privileges, God adopts you in Christ with all the rights and privileges that his own son, Jesus Christ, has, are yours. All things are yours in Christ. This is the glorious truth of adoption, what love God has for us. This motivates us to, to live as he's commanded us now. It's a distinguishing love. And because of it, the world hates us, he tells us. You know, it can be annoying when you go to work and you stick out like a sore thumb because you're a Christian. You don't laugh at their dirty jokes. You don't participate in their ungodliness. It's not that you're trying to, it's not that you're trying to be pharisaical towards them. It's just that you don't fit in anymore in sin. And they notice it and they hate you for it. We've heard that from First and Second Peter. How that just if you don't participate in their sin, they'll hate and persecute you for it. And it can be annoying, can it, dear believer, when you experience this from family members, from co-workers. But think about it like this. You used to be on their side. You used to be one of them who were against God and His people. And now, as an adopted son in the family, yes, the world may mock you, but they're mocking you because of who your God is because of who your Christ is, your Savior is. What a glorious privilege to be, to be on His side against the world, even if the whole world is against us. This is a faith that looks forward to the return of Christ, looks back at what Christ has done for us. God has done for us already in Christ, and it motivates us now. Continue abiding in Christ by hearing His Word and by repenting and believing His Word and living in obedience to it by the help of His Spirit. He also teaches us here to abide in Him in hope. Hope is what we are to desire. And these three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, faith is that which we believe. Hope is that which we desire. This is a bold hope as he holds before them the return of Christ and says that we may have confidence or boldness before him at his coming. If we were in our sins apart from Christ, his coming would terrify us. But since we are justified and we are adopted as sons, and by his grace we seek to live in obedience to him with a clear conscience we can rejoice and be confident about Christ's coming. Think about this with the analogy of the boy at home and his dad's away on the trip. That boy's conscience is going to witness to him something about what to expect at his father's return. The conscience simply works this way. There's a major premise, a minor premise, and a conclusion in his case, the major premise is my dad told me to do these chores. The minor premise is I'm not doing the chores. The conclusion yielded is 
I'm not going to have confidence when my dad returns. His conscience is simply bearing witness to the truth. That's what our conscience does. And as believers, we're called to live with a clear conscience where when the, when the minor premise, when that middle part of what conscience is witnessing to is out of joint, we are to seek by repentance to get it back in joint. And here's, here's how that works. The major premise says, my dad left me these chores to do. The minor premise says, I am seeking to do these. I'm seeking to obey him. The conclusion is, I don't have anything to hide at his coming. I, I can look forward to his coming. Concerning the return of Christ, the major premise is this. Christ is coming and he's called us to live. He's called us as Christians to live in a way that's fitting with that. The minor premise is either I am living or I'm not living in a way that's fitting with that. Basically, either I'm living in sin or by God's grace, I'm not living in sin. I'm seeking to repent of sin and put it to death and live unto righteousness. And the conclusion that's yielded here, this answer of a good conscience toward God, is one that we long for and look forward to the return of Christ. And not for our own works of righteousness, but because of God's work concerning our justification, His declaration about us in Christ, pronouncing unto righteous, and His work in us by His Spirit, we'll be able to have confidence on that day. And this is hope. It's a bold hope. And it's an ultimate hope. The, the very purpose for which we exist. The blessed vision of God in glory forever. The soul satisfying vision. This is what's ahead of you. And this motivates us to continue to abide in Him. Third and lastly, we are to abide in Him in love. In faith, in hope, and now in love. This is a sanctifying love. Verse 29, 2.29 tells us, Abide in Him that when He appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Verse 29, If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. For those of us who have been born of God, we've been regenerated by the Spirit to believe the true message of Christ and the Gospel. We now love God, and John teaches us elsewhere, we love Him because He first loved us, and we long to practice righteousness and turn from sin. God has implanted this love in us. When the boy is anticipating his father's return from his trip, and he is he's seeking to get his chores done, when he faces difficulty in it, if he loves his father, it makes him want to do what His Father has commanded. And this is what God does in our hearts with this sanctifying love. It's a purifying love, He tells us in 3.3. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as He is pure. This purification is by repentance and faith. As we as believers sin every day and every moment of every day, and when, we're, when we become conscious of our sin, by God's grace we are to repent of it. We're to continue looking to Christ and trusting in Him in the Gospel. Confessing our sins to Him as John tells us earlier in the book. If we confess our sins, that is to agree with God against our sins. So we confess them, He's faithful and just to forgive us. And this purifying love is also 
in God's work of His Spirit in us as we put sin to death and live unto righteousness. And this is what John is telling us when he's telling us to continue, continue to abide in Christ, hearing the life-giving message of the Gospel and continuing in it. And may God help us to do that this day.